Shalom, this is Shomer Man coming at you with another portion of the Midnight Torah Study Series for Parashare A. We are quickly approaching Shabbat, and so um, let's get right to it. Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bakarbanu Mikol Hamim, Venatan Lanu Et Torato, Baruch Atah Adonai, Noten HaTorah, Amen. Amen. Adonai, may you bind us to the Lapid, Mashiach Yeshua, and may you grant us eyes to see. Amen. So, this is getting to the last part of the week for the Torah portion. And so, I want to just go ahead and say some kind of concluding thoughts on studies that I've uh, gleaned from this week. And I want to start off with some show enough pinkest to set us up. So the first thing that he shares this week, it says, as we approach Shabbat Rosh Hodesh Elul, which should come up on us for good. Amen. It is appropriate and timely to contemplate our parsha, Re'e, which is always read either at the beginning of Rosh Hodesh Elul or on the Shabbat Mevarchim Elul or as it falls out this year on Rosh Hodesh Elul itself. Now, being that Ezra HaSofer instituted that we always read Re'e around the start of Chodesh Elul, the month of Elul, it is clear that there must be a deep connection between Re'e and Elul. So I think that is absolutely incredible to know that the cycle of the Parashot definitely correspond to the Moedim of the Jewish calendar. And if you think about the First of all, the immaculate um, circumstance that just so happens for certain Torah portions to fall at different times in the year every single time. You know, it's just, that's mind-blowing to me, you know. It's just kind of like, okay, it's Parsha Re'e. Oh, it must be Rosh Hodesh Elul, you know, or it must be the month of Elul. And it's just kind of like, it's either at the beginning or at some point uh, connected to Elul. So just to think about that, anytime we get to a Torah portion that corresponds to a particular point in the calendar, and for that to be pointed out and highlighted, um, to me that's just crazy amazing because there are so many different things that attack the Jewish calendar. Um, and... You know, it's just kind of one of those things where the proof is right here in the kosher pudding. So, continuing on, where he starts us is Devarim 11.26, which is the opening verse of this week's Torah portion. And if you look at Re'e Anoki Notein Lifnekim, Behold, I present before you today. And then he goes into saying that through Teshuva in the month of Elul, we can bring a bracha on Rosh Hashanah. So, 
Elul is all about making shuva. And you think about our Torah portion this week, it's really preparing us, it's really showing us, you know, please make the distinction and follow the blessings instead of taking on the curses for yourself, which the only way you get curses is if you do not listen to the voice of Hashem, which are the mitzvot. So, takes us is the words of Zivi Lazarik, which is Rebbe Zivi Elimelech of Blues Hove. May his memory be blessed. Says he explains that in these verses brought above, Hakadosh Baruchu is hinting to the gift of Elul that he has given us in his great mercy as a preparatory stage before the great day of judgment. Rosh Hashanah. On that day, the whole world passes before Hashem like sheep before the shepherd to receive their judgment in his kindness. HaKadosh Baruchu gave us a month set aside for Teshuvah so that by the time we come before him for judgment, we will be ready to be written and sealed for a good and blessed year. Amen. Bezrat Hashem. So, you know, thinking about the fact that we have this beautiful opportunity to not be caught off guard or just be basically left with the opportunity to be left without excuse. You know, HaKadosh Baruch gave us the month of Elul. And one of the things I think about is this this little phrase that says, on that day, the whole world passes before Hashem like sheep before the shepherd. And um, that verse or that actual comment definitely seems like something that we've heard before. So I want to just highlight that real quick. So stand by. All right. So I want to take us to first Kepha 225. Love jumping into the writings of Kepha. All right. So we're going to drop in on. Uh, first, let's let's highlight this verse. It says, for you used to be like sheep gone astray. But now you have turned to the shepherd who watches over you. So if you kind of look at this, this verse is even pointing out to us that we are to be walking into Shuva, you know, like constantly. And this is predicated off of looking at what happened, you know, to Mashiach Yeshua. And it says in verse 22, he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found on his lips. When he was insulted, he didn't retaliate with insults. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but handed them over to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the stake so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. And so you look at the fact of Elul being this time of just basically having a um, recollection, so to speak, of Mashiach Yeshua taking upon our sins and causing that opportunity of where we sinned 
and he he bore that in his own body. The reason that all happened is so that we might die to the sin and live for righteousness. And so thinking about the fact that we are turning to our shepherd who watches over us, we have this opportunity in Elul to really understand and take it to heart, um, basically renew our devotion and our service to Hashem because Mashiach took on so much for us, you know, and it's more than just that he was substitution in our place. You know, it's not just this idea of there's this horrible crime that's committed by us and Mashiach came in and paid the penalty for that. It's more than that. You know, he paid the penalty and in that paying the penalty, he's not only substituted us, substituted for us, but he also gave us this opportunity to excel where we previously failed. And so the power of the resurrection that is talked about in another letter uh, that actually Shaul wrote. Uh, let me go ahead and quote that real quick. So in Philippians 3.10, it says, I want to know Mashiach. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so you get this picture of basically what I just illustrated. And then you look at the context in which this is uh, where this is presented. And it's talking about counting everything a loss for the sake of Mashiach. And this is, you know, this whole section that uh, Shaul breaks down of all of his accolades and all of his achievements. And it's just like, I have achieved so many different things. I have so many different accolades, but none of that is worthy to be compared with what we gain through Mashiach Yeshua. And if you really think about the impact and the depth of that, it's more so about the fact that we get to become new. We get to be basically taken to this this new level, you know, that prepares us to enter in to Judgment Day, you know, with this opportunity of purification, this opportunity of cleansing. So Elul basically encapsulates you know, the the meaning of what Mashiach has done for us, you know, and so obviously this was all done with the power of Hashem, because apart from his father, he can do nothing, you know, Mashiach, apart from his father, he can do nothing. We covered that in our previous podcast. And so just kind of understanding how everything is working together, literally for our good. You know, it's it's absolutely a blessing. And just to know that this is the opportunity that Hashem gives us every year. I mean, it's incredible. You know, it's just kind of like if we ever get stuck or stagnant in our walk, you know, a lul comes around to just shake us up and wake us up, you know, because it's like Rosh Hashanah is coming. The day of judgment is coming. We will be passing before Hashem. And we will be receiving judgment. So do you want your judgment to be for good? Or do you want your judgment to be for Kaspe Shalom, the worst destruction or any of those things? And so 
definitely grateful to what Mashiach has done for us. So, in uh, further down, he goes into the fact that there is this idea of blowing the shofar every day in the month of Elul. And that's actually one of the things that I really appreciate about every Shabbat at Sar Shalom. That we sound the shofar at the beginning of every shakarit service. And, you know, that's sometimes back and forth commonly looked down upon as far as practiced in Minhag and Halakha. But, you know, it definitely is not anything that violates the Torah. So the fact that, you know, as a Mishpakaza community, we get to do that and participate in that. We're really bringing down a semblance of the month of Elul. We're bringing down a semblance of Rosh Hashanah every Shabbat, you know, when you really think about it. So if you check this out, he basically is quoting the Orach Chaim, which is the tour. And it says, Chazal have instituted that we should blow the shofar during the month of Elul in order to arouse ourselves to Teshuvah. As it says in Amos 3.6, Is the shofar ever sounded in a city and the people not tremble? And so you think about the fact that we are doing this thing called working out our salvation with fear and trembling, that when we're hearing the sound of the shofar, you know, this is also another point to look at what Mashiach Yeshua suffered for us, you know, and to really receive the transformation that we have the opportunity to participate in through that. So by his wounds, we are healed definitely takes on a whole new meaning. You know, when you really think about the implications of all that and then you see that um, Shonaf Pincus continues and he says the illusion in the beginning of our parasha as follows behold I present before you today a blessing and a curse and today being Rosh Hashanah it says before today the preceding month of Elul and it says that I have given you a gift called Elul which determine whether you receive a blessing or heaven forbid the opposite so the opening verse of this week's Torah portion really alludes to, you know, are you going to choose to receive blessing or are you going to choose to receive cursing? Basically pointing us to Rosh Hashanah itself. Do you want that day to come for good or do you want that day to come for a curse? And it's all predicated on Teshuvah. So... Again, there's another point to Teshuvah. I mean, this is probably, you know, the the reason why at the amount of times that Mashiach and Yochanan, the Immerser himself, you know, they both say make Teshuvah for the kingdom of heaven is a hand, you know, and that was commonly said, you know, and you think about the fact that the kingdom being at hand, like it could literally happen now, you know. So if you make Teshuva, the kingdom can be established upon the earth. And basically, if you just keep connecting the dots there, you see that through Teshuva, the kingdom of Hashem is established upon the earth. So may it be speedily and soon in our days that that, that um, 
meditation and that encouragement actually becomes a manifested reality for all the world to see. Amen. So then we have Rabbi Zevi Elimelech. May his memory be blessed. Who basically uh, brings the insight that the gematria of the words re'e, anoki, notain, lifnekim, hayom, baraka, uklala, exactly equals the gematria of the pasuk in Tehillim 81.4, which says, Tekav Shofar or Teka or Tekav Bechodesh Shofar. Blow the Shofar at the moon's renewal. Because, you know, if you think about Rosh Hashanah, when does it occur? It occurs actually on a Rosh Hodesh. And the Rosh Hodesh of Rosh Hodeshes or Rosh Hodeshim, if you really want to be technical, uh, this is Rosh Hodesh Tishrei, which is the first first month of the Hebrew calendar, you know, because Nisan is technically the first month, you know, as given at the Exodus. Uh, so we go back to par at Parsha Shemot and Bo and all those things. We learn that Nisan becomes the first month, but really Tishrei is the first month. And so Tishrei being the first month for the physical creation and then Nisan being the first month for the spiritual renewal that happens for us as we enter into the Exodus. We enter into the Redeemer coming to free us from our captivity. And so for Rosh Hashanah to happen on the physical, you know, first month, the beginning of that, basically when you think about when does Rosh Hodesh occur, no man truly knows the time or the hour because there's this idea of no one knows when the new moon's going to happen. You know, that's why in antiquity, when there was a Beit HaMikdash and a Sanhedrin, there used to be witnesses that go out, you know, two by two, and they go out and these people are legit Torah study, Torah scholars, you know, and they're not just, you know, random people off the street who have no knowledge of Hashem or his Torah and when they see the new moon they sound the shofar and then they come before the Sanhedrin and it's all verified which goes to show you the Sanhedrin already knew when the new moon was going to be because it's like we got these two witnesses over here and it's confirmed with what we already have according to our calculations that we've been given so now you have two witnesses giving two witnesses between the two witnesses and the Sanhedrin's witness. So, you know, just thinking about the fact that that shofar sounding of sighting the new moon corresponds to the fact that here is set before us blessing or curse. So which one are we choosing? And if you look at the letters of Elul, you know, we know that what well, we've been taught before that those letters are acronyms. And um, a few weeks ago, we brought down the acronym of Elul, or actually just last week, about the fact of what that also signifies as far as our prayer and our service to Hashem. And that this month is a month of our hearts being circumcised, you know, 
before Hashem, like that's another meaning of Elul. And this week, uh, we're looking at the fact of, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Well, here's another one. It says that Zavi Lazadik says that the letters of Re'e stand for Elul Rosh Hashanah. So the Resh corresponding to Rosh, the Aleph corresponding to Elul, and the He corresponding to Hashanah. So Elul Rosh Hashanah can just be seen in the word Re'e itself. And then he also adds that the three words Elul Rosh Hashanah have the exact gematria of Kativ Ve Ha Ve Katim Ve Katima Tova Kativa Ve Katima Tova which means to be written and sealed for good so again just in the word Re'e itself we're seeing this fact of to be written and sealed for good and Elul Rosh Hashanah you know taking this time to approach Rosh Hashanah to be written and sealed for good see I set before you today you know and so it's just this idea of today hear his voice is really what you can just continue on and just making the circles around you know this point here and it says that this alludes to the fact that by preparing for Rosh Hashanah through doing Teshuvah and Elul, we will merit a good judgment and all the good blessings. And I was listening to Rabbi Griffin, uh, his previous drosh on Re'e from a couple of years ago. And he was basically bringing down this this parable, this teaching, or uh, like this, basically a short story from Midrash about, you know, a young guy who wanted to buy a bike and his father was like the bike is expensive and you know we don't have the money for that and we so I will not be able to buy you the bike well the child the young man he decides to you know try his best to scrounge up money to get things together to get uh, funds together to buy this bike now he's a young kid you know we're talking like 10 maybe younger and you know you think about what kind of initiative that would take for a child of that age to like put together this plan and be like I'm gonna get that bike I really want it like I'm working for it and it's a bike and you're like dude um, first of all that's actually impressive that you've set your mind to attain this goal here and that it seems impossible because your parents can't buy it for you you can't buy it and there seems to be no way to accomplish buying this bike but yet nonetheless this this young man continues to go forward to try his best to get funds together so he's going to the neighbors asking if he can clean the yard you know clean their yard to make a few bucks and um you know, he's finding all sorts of tasks and chores that he could possibly do for making the funds uh, to purchase this bike. And so he continues to ask his father, 
may I have the bike? You know, could I possibly get this? And the father's like, I've seen your initiative and, um, you know, the little money that you've raised, you know, I will go ahead and complete the rest and we'll get this bike, you know, and the young man ended up raising like $50 and the bike was about like 150. And so the father made up the difference of what the son basically poured out his heart to do. And this is the meaning and the implication of our teshuva during the month of Elul coming into judgment for Rosh Hashanah. It's like Hashem seeing his children working so hard, you know, really pressing in and, and looking at our hearts and making all the introspection and looking at the wounds and the stripes of Mashiach and being like, he paid for that because of my failure to really take heed of the word of God. You know, like, I am not okay with continuing to be against your word, Adonai. I am not okay with not listening to your voice. I'm, I'm changing. You know, I'm praying through this. I'm really taking some steps of really, like, deep and practical teshuva. You know, so where I've fallen short before, I'm really trying my best to stand up. And Hashem sees us doing that. And He meets and matches us for the merit that we accrue throughout this whole time of saying, you know what, turn to Hashem. You know, it's on our hearts. It's in our mouth. It's very near us. You know, it is very, it is the very um, essence of salvation itself that, you know, we portray when we give it all we have to really return to God. And Hashem sees the little bit that we do and he adds his grace to that. You know, and so if you think about the fact that we have salvation by grace, like as a gift of grace through our Imuna, you know, that takes on a whole new picture, you know, that grace is not just given to us because we weren't trying. Grace was given to us because he knew we would try if we looked upon the wounds of Mashiach Yeshua. Because, you know, you to look upon someone who took upon your punishment and also brought you newness of life through their actions, you know, unless your heart is just like really hardened and just completely closed off, you know, that melts you. You know, for me, thinking about the fact that Mashiach was pierced for me, he should have been our king. He should have been reigning over us because a king, of uh, the king of Israel, is only the king of Israel because his people have esteemed him to be so because the king of Israel is not to be a dictator. He's to be one who leads the people to God and not forces them with a heavy hand. And he's the prime example of what it is to serve Hashem. And so as his subjects, you know, just to really receive his kingship, you know, it's just kind of like, man, the king himself, the one who who's given me this opportunity to really follow God. You know, he's not forcing me to do this. He's not like having a heavy hand, but he's just like, I would desire that you would hearken to the words of my father, you know? And it's just kind of like, man, like I will, I want to hear your voice on that. You know, I don't want you to suffer for what I did, you know? And it's just like, well, thank you for realizing that I've already suffered 
for that. But, uh, you know, now if you just look back to that time, you can now walk forward into newness of life. Our grace is given to us in the fact that we're actually striving and we're trying to do something. So let us not be found as people who are, quote unquote, mooching off of Mashiach's sacrifice and resurrection. You know, like, let's really put that to use, you know, like, let's not sit around and be idle and uh, not anticipate the return of Mashiach or not uh, prepare ourselves appropriately for the day of judgment, you know, with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Like we want this time to be joyous and we want to make sure that we're doing that appropriately to where it's just like, I've given it all I have, Hashem, and the rest is up to you. You know, may I be judged favorably. You know, that's the the hum, the humility and the kind of heart that we really want to make sure that we attain to and aspire to. Because running in before Hashem going, I got grace and I, I know Mashiach suffered for me and he took my place and he was resurrected, which validated all that. It's just kind of like you have completely missed the point, you know. So let's make sure that we are stirred to tremble before Hashem. Let's make sure that we are desiring and, and striving to be written and sealed for good. So uh, one of the other things is that the month of Elul is all about the renewal of our marriage with Hashem. Because in the grand picture of when the Torah was given, the Rosh Hashanah of Elul to Yom Kippur was the final 40 days of the renewal of the tablets and Moshe bringing them down. You know, and so the idea is that, let's see here, I'm going to go into this little drop. Okay, so if we look at Shemot Rabbah 34.1, it says, Moshe's intent in breaking the first set of tablets after witnessing the sin of the Chet Ha'egel, which is the golden calf. So Chet Ha'egel, we now know how to say a little bit more Hebrew, so that's what that phrase means. It says that the Midrash tells us Moshe said it is better that they have the status of a single woman rather than a married woman. So in other words, with the breaking of the tablets, with the crucifixion of Mashiach, we went from being like this quote unquote uh, initialized betrothal, you know, like basically because the tablets were broken, the betrothal could not be um, initiated and followed through as like becoming betrothed and entering into marriage status with Hashem. So the breaking of the tablets basically stopped that and reverted us to the fact that we're like a single woman now because there is no marital contract that has been brought forth. And so the Midrash is bringing this down and then it says, we see from here HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to betroth the Jewish people via the first Lukot that Moshe brought down. But when Moshe saw the nation had stumbled into a sin of idol worship, which, by the way, side note, idol worship is tantamount to the abolishing of the entire Torah. This is why conversion 
is the significance that it is where we are completely turning away from idol worship and we become a new creation. You know, we become born again or born anew from above, you know, through conversion. And so you think about the fact that because of the idol worship, we were not allowed to be betrothed to Hashem. So doing the opposite of idol worship causes us to be betrothed to Hashem. I.e., today if we hear his voice, if we look upon the one whom we have pierced with our sins, if we walk into Shuva, we now get the opportunity to enter back into the process of betrothal and ultimately into marriage. So what we do with this time, you know, is definitely very significant. So when Moshe saw the nation had stumbled into a sin of idol worship, he smashed the Lukot instead of giving them to the nation, which would thus, okay, so when he broke the Lukot, that postponed the marriage from taking effect. This lessened the severity of sin as it was not a married spouse rebelling against the other, but rather a still unmarried person rebelling. Because the implications of what we did uh, with the Chet Ego would have been way worse had we received the Torah already. And so that hopefully dispels any notion that would be ever presented to us that the Torah brings death. Because the Torah would have only brought death. We kept dancing around the golden calf and the tablets were not broken. You know, and it's just like, follow that out. You know, the tablets coming in while we're dancing around the golden calf, that will now cause our death because we chose it. Again, Re'e, I said before you, you know, the blessing and the curse. You know, Bezrat Hashem, you choose the blessing. But if you choose the curse, that's going to ultimately bring death because you chose it. You chose not to follow Hashem, but follow after anything other than him, which is idolatry. So if you are doing things that are uh, in contradiction or that are contrary to the word of God, you are basically uh, emulating the Cheta Egel and you're emulating a married woman who would basically um, be sinning against her husband. And so Hashem did not want us to have that connected to us and so he's like you know what Moshe shattered the tablets you know and Moshe obviously uh, took the initiative on doing this and so Hashem seeing this actually was like very pleased that Moshe would do this and it's like this is a picture of it pleased the father to crush his son you know because remember the Torah is the son of God it is the offspring of Hashem and Mashiach Yeshua being the Torah made flesh and Mashiach Yeshua, we know, is the Son of God. So connect that back to the fact that the Torah is the Son of God because the Torah is the, uh, the manifestation of Hashem, which became flesh in Mashiach. So you see that picture right there, that the, the Son was crushed, shattered. And it was good that that happened because it kept, the, it kept us from being destroyed. That escalated quickly. And it says, this lessened the severity of the sin as it was not a married spouse rebelling against the other, rather it was a still unmarried person rebelling. So Shemot 34.1, carve out 
for yourself two stone tablets like the first ones. HaKadosh was in effect telling Moshe to renew the original attempt at betrothal. And so this is the time frame that we're in. And what happened on the 40th day of this process? Moshe came down the mountain in the midst of us beating our chests, saying, Hashem, we have sinned. You know, the Yom Kippur service where we're beating our chest and confessing our sins publicly all as one, like all of us joining in one another with confessing our sins. And then we're fasting and then we're making reconciliation with one another by default, making reconciliation with Hashem. And during this whole time frame where this is happening, the Torah, the renewed Torah enters. And you think about how powerful that is. Moshe comes down the mountain, not to dancing around the golden calf, but to people on their faces and crying and broken up over their own sin. It's just like the tablets are not what's to be broken. It's our hearts and our flesh, our own sinful thoughts and desires that should be broken. And that's what Yom Kippur is. That's the gift of Yom Kippur is that we get to break ourselves and be made new from the renewal of the tablets. And so we obviously know that Mashiach's resurrection, you know, would be the equivalent of the tablets being renewed. So the beautiful thing about that is you look in Shemot 34 and it's like the renewed tablets are actually of a lesser quality because they're made from earth stone as opposed to the throne of Hashem. So Mashiach being brought forth from the earth, you know, in his resurrected body, he was actually brought forth in like the completed spiritual physical form that we are to have at the resurrection, you know, and it's like the tablets took on an even greater quality through the resurrection of Mashiach, which is the initiation of the new covenant, the renewal of the covenant, you know, the, the Brit Hadashah. And so as we're grabbing a hold of that, that's taking us to this higher level. This is the meaning of being new creations in Mashiach Yeshua, as stated in Second Corinthians 5. And so just uh, something that we should really just take to heart, you know, during this time that Hashem has given us this gift of Elul to really say, oh my word, like, what am I doing? Am I doing what I need to be doing? <laughs> and then um, Shonaf Pincus continues, he says that Ani le dodi ve dodi li becomes so much sweeter when we look at the fact that the day of his heart's joy is a reference to Yom Kippur when the second tablets were given. We see from here that Yom Kippur, the day the second Lukots were given, is referred to as the wedding day of Hakadosh Baruchu and Knesset Yisrael, the house of Yisrael, the gathering, the congregation of Yisrael. So, Anile Dodi Ve Dodi Li, being our ultimate betrothal and entering into Kiddushin with Hashem. Now, I just saw something about Kiddushin over here. Ah, here we go. And this is what we pray at the end of the Shemoni Esrei. Osei le ma'an 
Kedush Techa and do it for the sake of the Kiddushin that you betrothed the Jewish people. And it says, based on the aforementioned, the Megale Amukot explains so beautifully how Moshe Rabbeinu knew that it was the desire of HaKadosh Baruch to break the tablets, thereby nullifying his marriage with the Jewish people. Moshe knew from what HaKadosh Baruch told him after the Chet Ha'ego, Shemot 32.10, And now let me be. With these words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was hinting to Moshe that he should let go of the Kiddushin, represented by the word Li. From this, Moshe understood that he was to break the tablets. So, Ve'ata Hanicha Li, which is, and now let me be. So, looking at the word Li, Moshe understood that we should, that he should break the tablets. Uh, and Lee, let's go over that. It says, the reason David HaMelech said Tehillim 22.8, which is kol ro'ai yil egu li, which is all who see me taunt me. For the evil people taunt the Jews over the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu betrothed them with the word li. This also, this also, this is also what it says in Tehillim 120 verse 1. Shir Hamalot El Hashem Bezar Bezarta Li Karti Ve or Ani, which is a song of ascent to Hashem. In my distress, I cried, and he answered me. David is saying that in times of distress, he reminds Hakadosh Baruchu that he has married us with the word Li through what. Or through and through that he answers him. So through the word Li being a reminder that we're married to Hashem, it says that for a husband is required to take care of his wife. So Li to me, Megalet Megale Amukot, kind of backtracking here to pick up on where this comes from, because Ani Vedodi Vedodi Li. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine's. So we're looking at the word li, which is minds, as a, for this phrase, which is the final lamet of Elul. So Parsha Balak on the Megale Amukot discusses the formula recited by the husband when marrying his wife, which is, Behold, you are consecrated to me. And Hari et Mikdushta and li. So that phrase is what uh, is used for betrothal. So we're looking at the Lee from the phrase of how we're betrothed. And that is what Hashem used in Shemot 32.10 that says, And now let me be, you know, and the word for let me be is Lee. And then that is all about the allusion to Moshe. Okay, we need to break the tablets because... Hashem betrothed us with this word Li, and now he's going to unbetroth us with this word Li unless something happens. So we don't want that. <laughs> and then it says, and show enough pinkus later on, our eyes are illuminated, our heart can rejoice as we fully appreciate the depth of the Pasuk, Ani Le Dodi Vedodi Li. 
and how it specifically relates to Elul, for it was in the month of Elul, Moshe went up to receive the second tablets, that Hashem decided to renew his marriage with Kalal Yisrael by doing Teshuva for the Chet HaEgel, we declared Ani Ledodi. And when HaKadosh Baruchu responded by renewing the Kedushin, Vedodi Li. There is that, that both of us have turned towards one another. We've said to Hashem, you are my beloved, and Hashem has said, my beloved is mine. So I betrothed myself to you. And it's so interesting that it's this word, Li, that is like this centralized and pivotal word here of whether Hashem is going to be unbetrothed to us or he is going to be betrothed to us. And so it's just kind of like it's the mem because Li is Lamed Yod, which is 30 plus 40 or 30 plus 10, which is 40. Slika. <laughs> and so the value of 40 is the letter mem. And we know that mem, the way you spell that is mem, mem sofit, which is actually the word maim. You know, because it's deficient of the yod that is that is in between those two mems. And so you have this idea of the water. And we know that there is no other water than Torah. And so we're entering into a mikvah. We're entering into the water of Torah, which purifies us. And so that's the implications of returning to Hashem and doing teshuva in the month of Elul. So Elul Rosh Hashanah and today... The blessing is set before us, or the curse, you know, which one do you choose? Make teshuva, and with the merit of Hashem, we will choose the blessing. And that is the broken body of Mashiach that was renewed for us to really uh, cement that into our hearts and bring that home. So, Bezrat Hashem, we take to account, you know, the the idea of all of this and really cause it to transform our hearts. And the last thing that I want to mention for this uh, Shodan of Pincus insight is that, you know, we have 40 days from Rosh Hodesh Elul to Yom Kippur. So the 40 days of Teshuva literally itself are the letter Mem. And so this whole time we're looking at the word Li. And there is 40 days, which is the equivalent of Lee. So with these 40 days, we are either going to use this time to say, Hashem, you are my beloved. Or you're going to take these 40 days to, you know, shalom that you do this. But take these 40 days and do not hearken to his voice and do not make teshuva. And you'll be under a curse and ultimately death. And so hopefully that doesn't happen. But the implication of this time is you have a choice. So are you going to take the mem or are you going to take a calf? You know, so it's just like your choice is yours. And this is the freedom that Hashem has granted us. So that's how we know we truly love Hashem, because we will make a choice, you know, and it's not forced on us. We're just presented with the opportunity. So Todah Rabbah, show enough. And I want to go ahead and jump over to basically G Shekel this week um, for the remainder of our time because he um, just does such a uh, violent job here of <laughs> really talking about 
the implications of the word re'e as well. So, this is where he starts. He says, re'e is in the singular, which according to the Vilna Gaon, this is so that a person won't say, what is the difference if I choose a good path, if the majority of the world behaves in an evil way? C is in the singular, so we take care of our own selves, i.e. we have our own free will. So what are we going to do with it? Because if you look to the world and what ways it are, it's walking in, i.e. the way of the world is wickedness, you know, this is why, you know, friendship with the world is enmity with Hashem, because if you walk in a worldly manner, by default, you're not working in a beyond this worldly manner. You're either going to walk in a way that's beyond the world or you're going to walk in a way that's in the world. And you're called to be in the world, but not of it. So we're bringing down, you know, the kingdom of God into the world. You know, we're not bringing the, the world, you know, uh, into us to take us out of the kingdom of God. So we're, we're choosing. And what we really need to be doing is bringing the kingdom of God into the world and bringing the world into kingdom. You know, which is the meaning of us being sent ones, Shliachim, with the good news of redemption. It's just like, let's go out into the world and transform the world into the kingdom of God. And so shouldn't be the other way around. The world should not be transforming us, but we should be transforming the world. So that's the implications of that. And then it says it's easy to look around and point to a myriad of evils in the world to the millions of human beings who don't care about the environment, who are connected or who are not concerned with the hungry in our midst and who think that peace is impossible and not do anything in our own life because we think it doesn't matter. It does matter. And it is the heart of being human. We get to choose how we respond in any given situation. The Vilna Gaon is reminding us how valuable and truly divine that option is for us. Amen. Kohelet Rabbah says the world from its very inception was created with choices. Ultimately, these choices are between life and death, but rarely do people see their choices in such terms. The possibility for evil or pain is part of the process of creation, or perhaps is a result of creation. And behold, it was very good. And behold, it was good. And the book of Bereshit alludes to the creation of man and the good inclination. And very alludes to the Yetzahara, the evil inclination. Is then the evil inclination very good? It is, in truth, to teach you that were it not for the Yetzahara, no one would build a house and marry and beget children. Kohelet Rabbah 3.15 So the possibility of evil is an essential part of creation. This idea is expressed most clearly in the passage in the book of Yeshayahu. I am Hashem, and there is none beside me. And then this text offers a fascinating insight. Light is formed while darkness is created. And shalom is made while evil is created. And so we're looking at Yeshayahu 45, 6-7. And it says that they may know from the rising of the sun 
and from the west, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, Adonai, do all these things. So again, Yeshayahu 45, 6-7. And so, you know, when we do Shakarit, we talk about Hashem who forms light and creates darkness, makes peace and creates, or makes peace and creates all. You know, and it's like, this is alluding to this verse that, you know, Hashem takes the light and forms it. But yet, the darkness actually has to be created. You know, it by default, it doesn't exist unless there's an absence of light. And then peace exists. But if you take away peace, there is evil. And so you have this idea of, you know, darkness and evil are um, brought forth, you know, and, and brought into creation. And it's for the sake of the light. It's for the sake of the shalom, because should we choose to bring light into the darkness and make shalom where there is evil? You know, we have this picture of Re'e, you know, like, are we going to just allow ourselves to remain in darkness? Are we going to allow ourselves to continue walking a path of evil? And it's like, no. Hashem has set before us with the Torah, with Mashiach Yeshua, that you don't have to walk that way. So, and then again, go back to Ani Ledodi Vedodi Li. You know, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Making Teshuva, looking upon the, the wounds of Mashiach, knowing that that happened so it could heal us, so that the darkness could be dispelled, so that evil could be subjugated to the kingdom of righteousness. You know, ultimately the evil would be destroyed because it will no longer exist. So there is also that. So then we look at where is he going to go now? So he's going to say Yakut Shamoni on Vayera 186. This process of creation allows the appearance of something other than God, which needed to be created because it did not exist in God's sphere. This concept is encapsulated in a one-line phrase in the Midrash. No evil descends from Hashemayim. The Midrash is clearly aware that the verse in Yeshayahu cited above is clearly aware of the verse cited above, but simply assumes, as we do, that creation differs from formation. Therefore, evil does not emanate from Hashemayim. Rather, it is a byproduct of creation. So that's important because... We can know that us choosing Hashem, we're dispelling evil because evil is not basically emanating from where Hashem is. Life is emanating from there. Light is emanating from there. So should we choose light and life, the blessing, the the life, you know, listening to the met, the mitzvot, you know, we're choosing a path that will be and contrary to evil and darkness. And that's the choice that we get to make. Do you want darkness or you want light? And then Torah Haham 419.3, it says Rabbi Chaim of Aleppo, a student of Rabbi Chaim Vital, noted, see, I give you today, literally, I place before you a blessing and a curse before you and not on you. 
For no evil descends from Hashemayim. Rather, it's placed before you. The choice is yours. So, if we are experiencing curses, it's because we've chosen that by not listening to the voice of Hashem. And just remember the fact that the Mashiach is light. You know, see Yochanan 1.9 and Yochanan 9.5. And Hasatan is darkness. You know, Ephesians 6.12 and Revelation 16.10. And so when you look at that, really when it says, A, I said before you, you know, the blessing and the curse, it's either are you going to choose Mashiach or are you going to choose Hasatan? You know, and ultimately, as this is bringing us into the 40 days and bringing us into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you know, are we going to bring with us Mashiach or are we going to bring with us Hasatan? So that's really what Re'e is getting down to. And this last little point here in our remaining time, um, Mashiach came as the Torah in the flesh which is Yochanan 1.14, and Hasatan will come as a man opposed to the Torah, which is 2 Thessalonians 2.3. So as we meditate on this, that we have literally the choice of life and death, life or death, Slika, you know, that's, that's the time frame we're in. So may we choose life, may we choose Mashiach, may we dispel the darkness within our hearts and in our lives, May we walk into Shuva and renew our Kiddushin with Hashem. May we destroy our golden calves. And may we today hear His voice and may Hashem establish His kingdom in the world. We are at the, basically we're at the end of our hour of uh, the Torah study. And uh, it's crazy to actually be within the hour context. But, you know, uh, just... I think as far as the amount of everything that's been presented here, I mean, it's either life or death, you know, blessing or curse or Mashiach or Hasatan. I mean, wow. Do we want to be married to Hashem or do we want to be a divorced woman? You know, like this is our option, <laughs> you know, and the, all of the circumstances and all of the effects, regardless of the choice that we choose. You know, that's what's that's what's at stake here. So what do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher natan lanu Torah temet, Vekaye olam natabet okeinu, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten ha-Torah, Amen. Amen, Adonai, may we choose life. May we choose Mashiach. May we choose the blessing that you have set before us so graciously and granted us the free choice to choose from. And Father, I just really pray for your people as we head into the month of Elul, that you will truly break our hearts and shatter us before you like the sapphire tablets and cause the life and the power and the essence of the resurrection to really enter into our being and may we be transformed and made into new creations. May we be made into a purified wife that is ready to be betrothed to you with the upcoming high holy days of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Father, may we be judged for good. 
May we merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. Amen Amen. Well, shalom and may your Shabbat be blessed and Shavuot Tov.